right. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to Hoops and Wine. And I hope you have your wine available for this one because it's going to get fun. So this is part four of the front office series I've been doing. And today's episode, Scouting and Analytics. And um, I have four guys who I think have done a good job of transcending um, the different styles of basketball that we have seen over the last decade and have been able to use their skills um, to to adapt to those changes and, and, and thrive. So without further ado, let's start with uh, our first guy, and that is Ryan West. So he was actually just hired by Troy Weaver's staff in Detroit. Um, Right now, they're just saying uh, it's a scout job, but they haven't announced a title yet. But based on his previous job titles, I would assume it's still some sort of a, of a director or executive position. So most believe that eventually he could still be a GM one day, but he is very revered around the league when it comes to scouting. No shock there based on who his dad is. But so he's worked in a front office since 2002 specializing in scouting, and he credits his dad with most likely rubbing off on him since they look for similar traits in players. So uh, Jerry West wanted him to kind of earn his own merits and and wasn't keen on um, giving him a job, but uh, apparently there was a family friend that convinced uh, him just to try Ryan out as a scout after he graduated from LMU. So turns out that that was a very smart move. And Jerry and Ryan together built the Memphis Grizzlies into a playoff team. And Jerry has said that it's it's one of the best decisions he made, just not even basketball-wise, but just in growing that their relationship together even closer. So that's pretty cool. And just a little background on him. So he started as, like I mentioned, a scout in Memphis. So he started there in 2002 and had that position until the 2008-2009 season. Then he got hired as a scout with the Lakers in 2009, held that position until the 2011-2012 season, and then was promoted to the assistant director of scouting of the Lakers Um until uh, the 2014-2015 season. So what is interesting about that 2015 season is that's when Vladi Divac came aboard with the Sacramento Kings. And one interesting piece there that people not, might not remember, but um, Amick was a guy that had put out there at the time that, that Vladi Divac was very interested in West and was... Um, trying to bring him over to uh, to Vladi's staff. So credit to Vladi for, for reaching out and finding that. But the Lakers didn't want to lose him, so they then promoted him to the director of player personnel of the Lakers. So you almost wonder what could have been had Vladi been able to secure that kind of staff underneath him, which we never really saw besides Ken Cantonella coming here. So just another interesting little side bit. So he served the Lakers role 
until um, that director role until 2009. And then they mutually uh, agreed to part ways once the Lakers started uh, restructuring their front office, since they both had acknowledged there was no room for advancement for him because he is looking to to be a GM one day. And so um, they mutually parted ways. He then joined his dad and became a consultant for the Clippers. And then Troy Weaver, him being just hired in Detroit, he said one of the first guys he called was Ryan to uh, to come join his team. And then we will end uh, Ryan's piece with uh, some notable picks that have been um, he's been credited for. And that's D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Zubak, Larry Nance Jr., and Kyle Kuzma. Next name up we have is Matt Lloyd, and he is the assistant GM of the Orlando Magic. So prior to joining the Bulls full-time, Lloyd spent a year and a half as the director of media services for the Arena Football League. He also completed an internship at ESPN during his senior year in college. And at one point, he also worked as a game day employee with the Chicago White Sox and their video department for five years. So that's kind of, um, he has a little background in, in multiple sports. So um, that's pretty interesting. So he, he's he's someone that's been around and um, seen the many facets of, of the different leagues. So Lloyd began with the Bulls in 94 as a uh, game day and special projects employee in the video room. He joined the team full-time in 99 and was their uh, media services coordinator for four seasons. He then joined the basketball operations department in 2003 and served as the general manager of basketball operations and uh, scouting department for four seasons. He became the director of college scouting in 2007 and served that role until 2012. While there, he built the Bulls' first ever computerized database for scouting info. And Paxton still says that he was the best hire that that he he ever made during his tenure there. But one thing I thought was interesting is here you see a guy that started in the league in 94 – and he adapted and was able to build the Bulls' first ever computerized database for scouting. So you were seeing how these guys worked, how they had to adapt to work and implement technology and things like that. So kudos to Lloyd for, for um, capitalizing and realizing that that's where things needed to go. So... As director of college scouting in Chicago, he oversaw the scouting info compilation for prospects in the draft, um, any stat analysis for pro and amateur players. And then, like I said, he implemented and then also maintained the database, which held all their um, scouting information. He then moved to the Orlando Magic, got a promotion as the assistant general manager in 2012, where he has since been in that position. So he has served that for eight years. He's responsible for overseeing the Magic's professional college and international scouting department, as well as assisting with roster management and development. He also served as interim general manager during the 2017 season prior to John Hammond being hired there. So he's another one, too, where between the Magic and the Bulls, no matter how many changes were made, he was a guy that kept his job. So, again, that that speaks volumes to what people think about him and and his job as a scout. So some of the names that have floated around um, for openings this offseason, 
Matt's name has been in all of them. So kudos to him again for people are seeing this talent. And as an assistant GM, the next step up would would make sense for him to be a GM. So um, we'll see if that, that ever takes place for him. But some of the most notable drafting names uh, he's been credited for is um, Joachim Noah, Derek Rose, Todd Gibson, James Johnson, Jimmy Butler, Aaron Gordon, Victor Oladipo, and Jonathan Isaac. So with these next two names, we will be focusing on the analytics department. Um, and these guys have found ways, one as a player and then turned front office, and then another one just years being in the front office, um, but how they have grown and adapted to <clears throat> changes in the league. So first up, we have Shane Battier. So um, Shane just began his third season as vice president of basketball development and analytics with the Miami Heat after um, initially joining their front office in 2017 as the director of basketball development and analytics. So in three years, he's already gone from director to vice president, so he's steadily moving up the ranks. His current responsibilities involve the development of analytics to evaluate all talent, including college, free agents, and current Miami players. So one interesting thing, um, and you'll see the tie-in between these two names, um, is they've both been mentored by the same people. So Shane credits his from his playing days uh, that his time with the Houston Rockets under general manager Daryl Morey and then assistant general manager Sam Hinkie for acquiring a lot of his analytical skills. So Battier played with the Rockets, like I said, from 2006 to 2011, and it's often noted by people around the team that um, any players that were willing to talk analytics with them, he'd get all excited and do it. And then any reporters that were around at the time, if you had that kind of background or if it was something you were interested in, he loved just sitting there and talking about it. So one of his player um, analogy references that he would use um, regarding how to defend Kobe Bryant. So he would say Kobe would go to his, if he go to his left hand, he'd score 44% of the time. When he goes to his right hand, he's going to score 56 part of the time. So you don't need to be a matching. You understand that you need to defend Kobe with the left hand. So I thought that was kind of interesting um, and makes a lot of sense that um, of how he would use that analogy as a player and then how he now puts it together as part of a, a front office to, um, to help the Miami heat. So <clears throat> one thing I do think it will take a lot for him to ever leave, uh, the Miami heat as he loves working under, uh, Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and really who wouldn't, um, he has said how much he really respects how they run things there. And he's also mentioned that uh, working for a model franchise makes it really easy for him to do his job and do it well because he's not having to deal with drama or competing voices. Sound familiar? So his family, uh, he's a big family guy. He's got kids. His wife's there. They have charities. So I do think it would have to be the perfect position for um, Shane to actually leave it. So um, I would assume that he's a long shot in this, but he is a huge rising name in the um, analytical basketball world. So props to him um, 
and Pat Riley for, for getting these guys between, you know, these execs and Adam, Simon and Shane under Pat Riley. It's really easy to see why the future um, continues to be bright in Miami and why teams keep targeting uh, their front office names when any front office search opens up. And now for the big finale. Uh, get your wine glasses ready because this might sting a little bit. It'll, it'll bring up some bad memories. So, Sachin Gupta. First, I'm going to give you um, his resume, his background, and then I will really get into the uh, to the nitty gritty. So, in 2008, he was the basketball technology developer of the Houston Rockets. And a year later, he was promoted to the basketball operations salary cap analyst of the Rockets from 2009 to 2010 um, season to the 2011-2012 season. Uh, Then he took a little bit of a a gap time after 2012 to, uh, he's an MIT grad, and he went back to Stanford to get more degrees. Um, And then he got back in the game in 2014 as the vice president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. Then he uh, became a special advisor to the Houston Rockets in 2017. In 2018, he was hired as the assistant general manager of the Detroit Pistons. And just last year, he was hired as the executive vice president of basketball operations for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, even though he has held all these positions, he's still a very under-the-radar name to most, but in the analytical world, he is one of the best. I like to call him Trade Machine. Why might you ask? Well, for two reasons. One... He developed the trade machine that we all know and love. Yes, that is right. That trade machine. This MIT grad developed the trade machine while he worked at ESPN. Number two, he also has his fingerprints on a lot of trades. But because he's one of the behind the scenes guy, um, he never really gets credit publicly. But like I said, get your wine ready as I'll be going into some of these later. So, starting at the beginning, there's a really great article by Derek Bodner in the Philly Magazine, and I definitely recommend it for um, everybody to read. But just to kind of generalize, uh, Sachin was attending an alumni event at MIT where he heard Maury talk. And um, Maury was with the Celtics at this point, but he was really impressed with Sachin's engineering capabilities working at SPN, the trade machine. And when Maury then um, got the job in Houston, since they had met and had a good conversation, Sachin thought, hey, that's a great opportunity. Um, if I apply for a lower level position, uh, you know, it's I might have a shot. So he did have a shot. He got hired. And he was in charge of building the databases and generating reports that Maury and, at the time, VP of Basketball Ops, Sam Hinkie, needed to make their decisions. So this is where Gupta kind of reminds me of um, Dan Toldsman in the sense that these guys were both low-level guys and then went out of their way to present ideas to, uh, for Dan, it was to Masai, and for Gupta, he went out of his way to present um, trade and ideas to Maury and Hinky. And because he had such good knowledge of the CBA, because he created that trade machine, 
you know, most people still wouldn't necessarily take his trade idea seriously, but Maury and Sam did. And according to Maury, he had his fingerprints on a lot of the cap building deals for assets. So instead of clearing cap space for unrealistic free agents, Gupta believed in taking on contracts that um, were somewhat short in term, but um, then gaining those uh, those trade assets in return. So taking on that bad those bad cap deals, but then getting multiple first rounders in return. You're starting to see where this is going now, aren't you? I warned you about grabbing more wine. <laughs> so he credits Hinky and Mori for allowing him to grow in the position to where he is today. So when Hinky was first hired by the Sixers in 2013, um, who was one of the first calls he made? That was to Sachin. And he then became his right hand and VP of basketball ops with a specialization in analytics. And not only is this guy crazy smart MIT grad, but he takes this VP job and then currently is getting a graduate degree from Stanford at the same time. Talk about multitasking. So one interesting thing is that he has said that... um, he is aware of biases that you can get while working in a front office. So he likes to keep a poster of the 20 most common biases by his desk to remind him not to fall prey to them. So now comes the wine part. Go ahead and take a little drink first. <laughs> but So as was the case in Houston, Gupta was more often than not at the forefront of trade activity with the Sixers. Always brainstorming trade ideas and with an ability to look at the trade from the other side and correctly assess their motivation and ambition. Coupled with the understanding of the collective bargaining agreement and the creative mind. So, depending on relationships with other teams, time constraints, and schedules, Gupta would from time to time conduct part of the negotiations himself. Y'all, Vladi never stood a chance. This man specializes in reading his impo- his opponents and assessing their motivations and ambitions. So as the Sixer staffer said, his whole life revolved around that day in February. Those same uh, names then describe Guta as the driving force behind the King's transaction. I know, I know. <laughs> so... I will leave you with this final thought. Can you imagine Vladi leaving and then being replaced by the man who was, by all accounts, one of the real architects of what could turn out to be the worst trade in King's history? (laughs) 